Welcome back to another Share Your Light episode. In these episodes, I try to bring people who are doing things that really exemplify what they want to share with the world, how they're stepping into their power, their light, and their purpose. And today, we're really, really blessed and lucky to have Sarah with us. At the heart of her work, Sarah is a songwriter, co-creator, and believes in the profound power of storytelling for healing. In April 2021, Sarah began the Legacy Song Project, writing original songs for folks at the end of life and for folks who have lost loved ones. For the past year, she's been working on an offshoot of the wider project. Sarah and filmmakers Ali Kelly and Pat Lapoidevin teamed up to interview four individuals at end of life and four who have lost loved ones, representing all four Atlantic Canadian provinces. In this evocative short film and live musical performance, they capture stories about the universal experiences of loss and how songwriting can be used as a bridge to connect us with our loved ones, past and present. Featuring the profound stories of eight Atlantic Canadians, the Legacy Song Project Atlantic Chapter is an exploration of death, dying, grief, loss, and love through the transformational lens of documentary film and songwriting. Sarah resides in the Annapolis Valley, Nova Scotia, Canada. Welcome, Sarah, and thank you so very much for doing this with me today. Thank you so very much for having me on your show, Denise. I'm so glad to be here. When we had first spoken, and I shared with you that I think music is one of the universal healers in the in the world. I think that on the planet, it's something that we can all, and you can get into sound healing and all of that, but music can change the the energy of a room and, and for people. It's a very healing tool. So what prompted you to, to explore this legacy project? Because it's fabulous. Well, um, that, yeah, it's a huge question because I feel like in a lot of ways, my, my whole life up until now has been moving me in this direction. Mm -hmm. And I, like, I've been a songwriter for such a long time. Like I've always loved the craft of songwriting. I started writing my own songs when I was probably like 14, 15 years old. Wow. And I've always used music as a way to express things within myself that maybe I couldn't speak. Um, and I could always find when I, when I wrote songs, like even if they were my personal story, people could be like, oh, I relate to that sentiment or whatever. So I always found it as a way to connect people to myself, like it, in an audience, but also to each other and, and us to each other. So yes. um, I've always known songwriting to be an incredible tool. Um, I would say that when I started studying music therapy, I kind of seeing how that my degree played out in, in music therapy, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know if this is for me, but I know that using songwriting to help people is for me. And I'd always, <laughs> I'd always said that I wanted to work in palliative care, mm -hmm. but I've always been terrified of losing my loved ones. Um, and like, like always had a like and still do have a pretty healthy fear of dying like maybe well for me personally for dying myself but it's mostly about when I lose my loved ones like that I don't know if I'm ever gonna be okay with that I don't think anyone is ever gonna be okay with that 
um, no matter how much I spend in, you know, in and around people. So I started the project after my grandmother died. She was 101 when she died. She lived a very long life. I knew her for 28 years of her life. There's lifetimes that existed before I arrived in the world. And she and I always connected with music. And there was often times where like, I would ask her a question and I wouldn't get, I never got very far with her, like about her personal life. And I'm kind of learning now as I'm older that there may have been things she just didn't want to talk about because they were upsetting or traumatic or whatever. Um, I think she kept a lot to herself, but we always connected over music, especially fiddle playing uh, because mm -hmm. I, I do play a bit of fiddle and I know your son, uh, yeah. he played, he, he played violin at one point and I just always like appreciated those moments of bringing music into the room and then seeing how that could be a bridge between us when words sometimes just, just weren't enough. So it was really with her in mind and my own process of, I, I had experienced like a lot of people dying growing up and I was around a lot of death, like in my grandmother's siblings died and I would be brought to the funeral as a small child and I was around it, but I wasn't really experiencing it myself. And so when she died, that was really the first like super close personal loss that I'd experienced. And I definitely leaned on songs then. And yeah, it was sort of, I think COVID actually too, kind of gave me an opportunity to step back and say like, what do I really want to do here? And then I happened to tell a friend uh, over, we were having a meeting and I said, you know, I really just want to write songs for people who are like end of, at end of life or people who've lost loved ones. And she said, well, I just met somebody at a Folk Alliance conference, which was international. She met this person, his name is Ian McCarter uh, and he's in California. And she's like, he does that. You should get in touch with him. So I did, I reached out to Ian and it turns out we're about the same age. And I talked about what what I wanted to do and Ian told me what he does and what he's been doing and he he creates legacy songs he also does ashes portraits like out of cremated remains he's an amazing Ooh. visual artist and so that's what he does and and I said you know could I take this process and apply it here in Canada because I don't think anyone is doing anything like that and he was like yeah more people should be doing this go for I it agree. I yeah agree. and so that's when I was like okay <laughs> and then I uh <laughs> I have uh, been developing the the Legacy Song Project ever since, and yeah, just watching it grow in unexpected ways. This is the absolute perfect use of a music therapy degree. It's actually healing. It's it's working to bring peace and solace and comfort. And you know, as a medium, I know a lot of people in spirit will come through with music. They'll come through with certain songs or, or eras of songs or, or of different types or, or genres of music. And that people know it's their person in spirit reaching out to them. So what you're doing is you're, you're exemplifying the energy of who that person was, because I think that's the big fear around someone dying and not in an egoic way of, will I be remembered, but how can I honor this person's light and spirit for them, for the life they lived, for, for everything they've brought to, to being here on the planet, but for also the people who are here that have that grief and loss? This is bringing joy and healing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. I just get in chills when you're talking yeah. about that. Yeah. So yeah, and how I've, did you pick your people? 
the Legacy Song Project is like an ongoing initiative. So I have a website and people can reach out and just say, you know, like I want to, I want to have a song commissioned either for myself because I'm at end of life or my loved one died. I want to have a song created on their behalf. I've also had people reach out and gift a song to someone. Mm. So like they will check in and like see if they're interested in participating. And then when they are, or if they are, uh, then I reach out and we go from there. It's been a lot of word of mouth, which has been really cool like I've been able to write songs for people from all over the country so far and I mean Canada is pretty big if you're not from here (laughs) so again through the wonders of technology like Zoom I can uh, do our interviews online and then for the people that I can meet in person I always love meeting up with people in person uh, as well and so that's kind of yeah that's how people find me and in terms of this sub-branch project the Atlantic chapter that I I call it my Hail Mary pass, like in terms of like <laughs> just deciding, like I received I received some funding to make that project happen. And when when the funding was received, the idea was there, but we had no participants. And I was like, I don't know, because we also wanted to um we were gonna film the whole process. And I I was not sure that people were going to agree to be filmed because it's such a deeply personal time for people either if they're moving through grief or if they're at end of life and I think I really do believe that the right people found their way to this project and we found ourselves to them and there's been so many synchronistic moments of just pure magic like I'm like whoa did that just happen or I love that you do the interview. So you get to know the person or the story or things to interweave into, into your songwriting process. How do you pull in the essence of the person? Because that's, that's always our goal is to really bring in who they were, because I'm sure you have the training, you have the background, you're a, a trained musician, you're a therapist, but what, how do you pull it all together? Good question. Yeah. I think, like if we're talking about a, a person who's already died so much of how they come across to me is through the way that their loved one speaks about them so people tell me all sorts of things because they're like oh my god someone who's just gonna listen to me and I can go on about this person and like go I put go on and quote quotation marks but yeah. a lot of people and I'm sure you've heard people say this is that like they just feel like there's no space for their grief so like that, that sometimes people feel guilty when they bring up their loved one who's died. They feel like they can't take up the space. They feel like they're making people feel awkward, like all of that stuff. So I often find I have no shortage of uh, information. Our interviews can last one to three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really through the person I'm interviewing that I get a really good idea of how that person was, who they were what they love to do, how did they spend their time, what was important to them, what were their beliefs, if any. And then when I I read through everything and I, I make notes and I go back again when I start the song, songwriting process, I just, I don't know, certain things pop out of me and I, I do think there's a very intuitive aspect of this. This is a theme, it kept coming up, I need to pay attention to that, that definitely needs to be in the song. And Sometimes songs are more thematic and maybe metaphoric, and then sometimes they're quite story-based. And I also think that depends on the person. I am learning to lean into like just trusting. I'm 
so glad that was your answer because <laughs> intuitively I was feeling you're working almost as a channel with the person in spirit. Yes, you have the information. A medium technique is to blend with spirit and you ask them to come closer and you feel their energy. And I feel like the people who have passed, just looking at that aspect of your work to start with, they're helping you with this. They're helping you find the words. Yes. Yes. And I think that's what's feels so incredible to me about this is that it's not it's not me like I'm I'm doing the work I am like you said being a channel or a tool yeah um but it feels so much bigger than that like it's so collaborative with people who are here and people who are in spirit and I've had some interesting like funny moments people have come through in different ways um and I ask people I usually you know like that's something I'm kind of developing my process a bit more because I do, I do want to approach it from this really mindful place. So sometimes I'll just, I'll be like, okay, like so-and-so please be with me as I write the song. Yes. And I'll kind of ask for help that way. But I do, I do really feel, and you said it so well as you were, you know, talking about being a medium and I feel like the songs themselves are like bridges between people here and people there. And there's a, a certain aspect I had a friend of mine here is a, is a medium and I was trying to express something to him and, and I was having a really hard time and he kind of put it into perfect words. He's like, you're witnessing people. Ooh. Like you're just, you're oh, witnessing. I love that. Yeah. And I was, oh my gosh. Cause that's what it feels like I'm doing. I'm not there to change anybody's mind about anything. I'm not there to, you know, convince them to be a part of the project. It's like people come willingly and they just want to be heard. And, and for people who are at end of life and preparing to make their journey to the other side, whatever comes next, like you said, they just want to be remembered in a way that they feel represented how they were. And yeah. What keeps flashing in my mind is it would become part of the, the storyline for a family or from, for a lineage of, oh, that's grandma's song or that's uncle Joe's song or, and it would just become part of maybe rituals in a family's life, but what a beautiful, beautiful uh, tribute. I have willies from head to toe thinking about you've talked to someone who's at end of life. They know what's coming. You've written this song. You've, you've used all your notes. You've connected with them. Do you get a pretty consistent reaction from the people when they hear their song? Yeah. Even though history has shown me that this goes well, normally. <laughs> I'm always... <laughs> I'm always a bit like, oh, what if they don't, what if they don't like it? And that's sort of like more of the ego part of me stepping in and being the musician who wants to be validated by mm -hmm. others. I don't know. I've really, that's the thing I'm, I am working with and putting her in the backseat of my bus. Um, <laughs> if that makes sense. I know she's there, but I don't want her to lead. So yeah, the reaction I've never had a person be like, I hate the song because it's their story that they shared with me. And I mm -hmm. do my really do my best to capture what was shared. You know, people are like, how did you do this? I just am the puzzle peacemaker and you gave me all the puzzle pieces and now oh. I must assemble in oh. a way. So beautiful. So, <laughs> so beautiful. And when you were saying that it feels like it's coming from a place of ego, my reaction to that was more, I really want to honor this person by bringing through something that resonates with them. I want to make yeah. them know that they matter and that their life, what a big decision to make to, to be that vulnerable 
at end of life to sit down with someone and share the puzzle pieces to be put into a story that says a lot for your energy and that you'd have to have that ability to hold space for people and hold it so that they would be safe enough to be vulnerable. Or when you were mentioning that the people who just want to talk about their loved one who's passed, and I've talked to many, many people who have grieving and I've known and I've grieved myself and you get to the point where at first there's this big surge and people are asking you and you're still deep in grief, but no one's asking you anymore, or they do, yes. you don't want to be a burden. And you still, you still want to talk about your person, or you still want someone to acknowledge and you're giving people that gift. That's amazing, Sarah. Oh, thank you. I do think about that too sometimes because it's again with music being this bridge, it it all like not between also between here and the spirit world, but also as a conversation starter. I took part in this project and this person wrote a song for my loved one. Do you want to hear it? You know? Yeah. I there's so many rituals that people go through with the death process on a global level. You go into different cultures, you can see death rituals. But when you mentioned that your friend is doing portraits with cremation ashes, I've never heard of that before. I've seen the thumbprints, I've seen the jewelry, I've seen the, which are still relatively new on the timeline, and tribute tattoos. Everyone's tattooing and this is their writing and this is that. This is another step that's even deeper. This is even a more personal connection with the actual person, which I think that's the real key to this that is why it's so, um, I can feel it in my heart because it's it's honoring that unique soul light of someone that was on the planet. It's not a generic thing. It's not, mm-hmm. it's so unique to the individual and it is a way to, uh, allow you to use your process and your skill set in a way that is being of service because all of this feels like it's service work for you. Yes, it does. And I love that. I love that about this is that, yeah, like every job, it's kind of funny sometimes in like the very human tasks of admin work or having to like make Instagram posts or whatever and like getting the word out there. I constantly am like reminding myself songwriting, which is this thing I've always loved is something I now get to use to support people who are giving voice to their love for each other, but also, you know, making space for grief and making people feel validated in that way. Like I've talked to so many different types of people, a person who lost both of his parents in a car accident 17 years ago And still the way that he speaks about them, it could feel like it just happened the other day. Mm -hmm. But 17 years is like a pretty long time for people, again, not to ask you about something. Yeah. So. That's perfect. That's absolutely (laughs) perfect because it, this isn't, you think of singer songwriters as, oh, I want fame or I want to shift, but you're doing something deeper with that. And I, Years ago, I was writing a blog post, and I think music, as I said, is a a healing thing, and it can bring people together in unity. It can divide them. It can be a sign of the times. And I was thinking back generationally to different songs that had really brought 
people together in unity. So I Googled the lyrics, this was many years ago, of the top songs that were in the world. And then I let loose with a lot of expletives because it was just garbage. And I thought, oh, we need some songs that matter again. We need some songs that bring us together, that have purpose, that have meaning. And that's what you're doing. So when you bring in the documentary part to this, when you bring in the filming, do you find that that changes the dynamic of the work or does it make it even more poignant? Well, yeah, I think when we started the Atlantic chapter, um, you know, interviewing people, uh, it was my friend Pat Lapoitevin and myself who were traveling to these places. And he's like, so chill. He's so, so <laughs> nice. Like our camera setup was not intimidating. I didn't think it was intimidating, but honestly, anyone puts a camera on you, you're going to be a little different. Cause you're like, how am I sitting? And Oh, did yeah. I stutter? And like all of this stuff. Um, so I think that what I really appreciate about being able to have filmed these eight interviews with four people at end of life and four who've lost loved ones, these people there's normally to take part in this project without it being filmed, I think requires um, a certain amount of courage and just lots of times people don't know me. We only have a couple email exchanges before we meet and have an interview and then they're crying on screen or in front of me and that's all okay. But I also understand that for them, it could feel super, oh God, like, I don't know this girl and now I'm, you know, telling mm -hmm. her my whole life story and being very, and I'm sure I'm sure you get that all the time with people in tears and I have no problem with tears I encourage tears I cry all the time <laughs> yes yes because their tears are healing too yeah but another thing that I absolutely love 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 about this project and about your work is grief is universal it has nothing at all to do with where you're located, your demographic, what your street address is, what you have in your bank account. It's a yeah. universal human emotion. Yeah. And your work is showcasing that because I'm sure there's a, a variety in the people that have come to you. It's not, death is unique to the individual. You can't yeah. stereotype it. So when I, I ran and got something, and I'm just going to show this to you and I'll explain it for, for listeners, but I actually uh, named the album uh, that we recorded, I named it Threads because oh. of that exact idea. And it could have been, I forget, because you gave me a mediumship reading November 1st, the death day of uh, death anniversary of my grandmother's passing. That lit a fire under my butt after that. I was, Denise told me that that spirit is supporting this and just giving me the pieces. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you. Like I needed to hear this encouragement. Um, but I really, yeah, I believe it might, I think it was after that, that I named this album. And so these are, this is the album cover and what's on the front is there's eight songs on the album. So each song and each person has a different symbol that kind of represents the oh energy of that person. And then there's a, beautiful. a thread that's uh, running through all of them. And because there, there's a feather, there's a wave, there's a basketball, there's a, an athletic shoe, there's a sailboat, there's, there's a, a dove, there's a, a, an autumn leaf, there's a pair of skates. They're all so unique, but they're beautiful. And it, and it, you can feel it. And I know that that, because that's how, you know, that's how we navigate life as sensitive people is we feel the shit out of everything. That's oh man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I can feel that, but the threads, that's 
perfect. What a perfect name for the album. Yeah. Wow. And I, I knew it as soon when it came to me. And again, I feel like this project, and it's interesting because when I talk to other people about this, I'm not always able to be so forthcoming and like I'm like this is a spirit-led project like I believe that there are divine (laughs) forces behind this I'm just you know learning to relinquish control like I can't always be forthcoming because some people are like okay a little more on the other side of their yes yeah and other people you know it's it's been able to spark some really beautiful conversations um but I do really believe like there's been so many instances in this project where I've just like had an idea come into my head that I hadn't considered before. And I'm like, thank you. I needed to pay attention to that thing or I, I need to get on that or whatever. And it feels having that, I was just taught, I was like, you know what? I'm naming the album threads. And it just came to me. So dropped into my brain. (laughs) This is a really weird question. Have any of the eight people had a musical background? Of the, the ones that are involved. Or anyone that you've done a song for. Because what I what I felt like doing was playing air guitar, but I almost felt like I could feel you changing a riff or changing a chord selection with you might go into it with like, nope, this is the way this song is going to sound. This is when I'm going to play. But then it shifts while you're creating the song into something else. Well, I really tried. I'm just l- like looking at the, certainly there's a, a lot of music lovers, a lot of people loving to dance to music, um, and some people whose loved ones played in some capacity or were artists themselves. But when I wrote these songs, I really tried to write them in a way that the person they were for would like to listen to them. Beautiful. So stylistically, like the first song on the album is more of an ambient meditative type of Ooh. song because the person, uh, that's what she liked to listen to. And then there's another one that's a gospel song. I never oh, I in my life this. did I think I would write a gospel tune, but it's for uh, the preacher and his wife who ended up dying in a car accident. They were devoutly devoted to their, I think it was I Baptist or, yeah. And not love this even more. <laughs> it, it, truly, because that was my concern was, is there a similarity? But no, you're saying there is an individual type of song that matches the individual energy as well. Yes. Yeah. It must be fun as hell. It is fun. There's so many, so many, like, I feel like the, the artist in me goes through a lot of ups and downs of, yes, I created this. I'm so proud. And then the being hard on myself or um, musically, I was challenged in, in the making of these eight songs because there were some, one of them is for a 17 year old a young man who died by suicide and he loved rap music. And I was like, I'm not about to try to rap, but we were (laughs) able to hire a rap artist to write and record a verse in the song. And it's so powerful. And it's Mm -hmm. something that hopefully I think this young man would have liked to listen to, you know, if it was about him, he, I think his, his mom was joking and said, he'd be so embarrassed that there was all this fuss about him. Um, But yeah, so stylistically, they're all really different, but I did that intentionally because I really wanted to even further capture um, and because I was able to bring in musicians. So if I like needed a, like a saxophone player and I don't play the saxophone, but the saxophone really added something to the song in terms of that style or genre, then we could do that. So yeah. And that goes back to your professional training of putting out an album 
that isn't just songs. It's actually, I could pick up the album and listen to it and enjoy the music and enjoy the different stories and the 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 types of music, even though I don't have a, a personal connection with those people. But I'm thinking about songs I've listened to over the years where there is such a strong universal connection with it that you feel like they're singing directly to you. Yeah. And that goes back to the threads of, I'm sure that there is something through that's woven through all of those songs that will hit people, human beings on a core level. Yeah. That's amazing. And I also think you just reminded me of when, so in each of these songs too, something that I do that, I think is really deeply personal to the song is that I take clips from interviews. So the spoken voice of the person I interviewed and I put it in the song itself. So it's this like, it's this interweaving again, to come back to this idea of weaving of having their spoken voice and then the music, which is supporting the narrative of their story. So they really, they have a voice in the song, which I think is like very powerful. That literally just brought me to tears. Truly, I could feel that so deeply because that's also um, so many people will keep the last time on their the phone rang with their person who loved them and they'll play it over and over or they'll have an old home movie or they'll have something just to hear that person's voice one more time. And that alone is such a a deep gift. But, um, you know, it goes back to that everyone has that unique, tiny resonance to their voice that makes them a unique individual on the planet. Yes. So you can bring these songs and honor them and bring legacy and, and healing and solace. But when you intertwine inter- that person's actual voice in it. Yeah. That's and that was, very powerful. Yeah, and I I uh I continue to hear that. I think people find that piece of it very moving and often people are like that's my favorite like aspect of of this and I'm like same. I and I think paired with music it's just even it just gets in there. It's like water. It's like it'll just get in anywhere that it needs to go and I really I really do love that aspect of it. I do give the whole interview to folks and so that like I I also think about that in terms of legacy like for years to come they'll have that interview to listen to but it's also to to interject is the if someone's in palliative care mm-hmm. and they know that the end is closer than they may hope or they mm-hmm. may be preparing for that what flashed in my mind is when people write their own obituaries and they are so con- conscious about what they want shared, how they want it viewed. Some of them are humorous. Some of them are all of their accolades. But for the person who is basically doing a life review with your songwriting process, that's pretty damn amazing to think, what would you choose to put into your song? What would you choose to share with someone? Yeah. And they also give up a lot of creative control because I say like in my explanation, we're going to talk for two or three hours. I can't fit all that into a song. So I'm going to use my intuition and my ability to discern and pick what is best. And after a certain, you know, song, like changes can't be made after the the song is recorded. But what I was going to say before is that 
the idea for putting people's voices into the song also came from the fact that I don't have many recordings of my grandmother mm. or and her voice. I have the last, the, the year that she died, she died in November, my birthday's in March, and she would always sing me happy birthday. And I just thought halfway through her singing it to press record on my phone. And that's what I like. That's what I have half, half of a happy birthday. And I listen to that every birthday still. Yeah. So you always will. And I always will. And that was also a big thing. Like even now I find when I'm with people and I'm, I have a couple friends who are much older than me. And even now when I'm with them, sometimes, I mean, I, I keep it private for myself, yeah. but if I'm talking, I'll, I'll just press record on my phone and I'm, you know, I really want to just capture your voice and not have you be self-conscious about it. And uh, I'll just, you know, <laughs> hit record. But it goes back to that, to hear your grandmother's voice on your, on your birthday. They always show up for birthdays anyway. They come in, they like to be around, they like to let you know they're there. But that gives you that that heart comfort of knowing she's still a part of your life, that you're still honoring her, that she's still honoring you. When you play these songs for people, have you noticed, uh, have you done it for a group yet? Have you played for a group? Like, do you mean like a group of people who are not connected yes. to the songs I'm singing? Yes. Yeah. So I, uh, because I am a performing musician as well, I do play music out and about. And, you know, I'll mix a set, like a set won't, it wouldn't be like a whole set of legacy songs per se, depending on the context, but I, I do often play them, uh, the ones that I've received permission to, to share in public. Yeah, this, the performances I have coming up for this album release and the documentary, all of them are legacy songs and people know that they're coming to a show about legacy songs. So, yeah. So as a performer, do you feel a different energy from the crowd than from your normal work or is it pretty comparable? No, I would say some of the my favorite songs to play and the ones that have been most well received by people have actually been legacy songs and I just didn't realize it. Wow. Like the first legacy song I wrote was in 2016 for my two grandfathers who I never really knew. And the song is called Farmer Coal Miner because one was a farmer, one was a coal miner. Yeah. And uh, I wrote that song and it's a story song and it was it came out very easily. It felt very much like a channeled song, um, felt super magical in that regard. And I still love to play that song, but that really was the first legacy song I wrote. I've written other ones since for an uncle and for my grandmother, but I do feel an energy shift in the room. I, I often see people tearing up depending on how close they are to the stage and people always come up to me after and say, you know, that was really moving or my loved one died and like, how beautiful that you're doing this for people. And I just think it's another point of connection where I'm like, this is why I'm on a stage. I love being on a stage. And I remember in, in my reading with you, you said to me, you're like, do you, do you just like, you like being on a stage or do you want to be on a stage? And, and I do, but I want it to mean something. Right. Yeah, and I didn't know you were a musician at that no, point. No, you didn't. So, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I love being on stage, but I want it to move people, and I want it to matter, and I want to use my platform to speak about people, people's grief and loss, and I also love talking about all things spiritual, and I get to do that a lot in my work when I interview people. 
We talk about all sorts of things. If they want to go there, if they don't, that's okay. But even in just creating a container and a in a performance space for people to come and just like think about their loved ones. I'm like, there's double the amount of people in this room right now. You just can't see them. (laughs) Well, and that's where I was kind of going with this is I'm thinking, you know, I truly believe in my heart when we do a lot of deep healing work, it's, and if it's connected with someone in spirit, it sends that healing back as well as forward. So we can work through our ancestral lineage. We can, if we've had issues with someone that was in spirit, we can still work on that after they pass. But the when you were speaking, I was just trying not to crack myself up because I'm sure there are some people in spirit that saying, that's me, that's my song, you know, that's all about me. Or someone say, they're playing your song again. Come on. <laughs> and I love that. Like, I just love, I love that idea. And I'm trying to think of in this, these performances that are coming up and I I'm really trying to think of ways to make it special and having this idea of these electronic candles to have mm-hmm. eight different jars on stage and having Ooh. other things. And then I thought there's a song on this album called Light to Give. And just yesterday I was like, people should all have electronic candles and we should like light them and remember oh. something we love during that. It just keeps, and again, that wasn't, that came to me, I was staring at this sign and I didn't know what to write on it. And I was like, why don't I know what to write on that? And then I looked at it and I'm like, I know what it should say. It should say, take a candle. Oh, this is so beautiful because the the other part is you've built this beautiful, incredible foundation, but this is going to continue to grow and evolve and shift as your work does. You can never tap out with this. This is beautiful. I I feel that. People keep on asking me, so like, you're not going to be doing this like for always or you, uh, you know, when the legacy project is done, I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like this, I really feel like it's always going to be a part of my work in some way. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like it's changed you as a songwriter? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, and it's interesting because I also have to be mindful. I use music for myself, for my own personal. That's the thing about performing. It's so interesting. I feel like before I was really focused on wanting to perform and share my songs in that way. Songwriting was really just about that. Like it was just about songwriting and creating, not necessarily caring about who heard it. And in this way, where now I'm songwriting for my livelihood, my approach to songwriting is a bit, oh, I might, I might not want to take out my guitar that night to write a song for myself, or maybe I just don't have anything going on in my head because I feel like a lot of my creative energy goes towards writing these songs for other people. But I do think my songwriting has changed. I think every new song that I write is an opportunity to approach it in a new and different way. I have had people ask me, they're like, so do you just write, like you have the same progression and the same chords and and the same melody and you just plug it in and, and do it that. And I was like, no, I'm like writing unique songs for each person. I think if I did it that way, I would go crazy. That wouldn't be... <laughs> That would be awful. That would that sounds like hell to me. Like <laughs> listen to the same song over and over. No, no. So I do think I'm excited to continue to explore how I can write songs because I'm also doing a lot of technical development. I'm doing a mentorship, a sound production mentorship with someone right now. Um, wow. where I can sort of expand my skills in that way because I want the quality of songs that people hear to be consistent and I want them to be sound good to your right. ears. Um, that's important to me. And even just through doing this eight song project, I can get so creative if I give myself 
the time and like, calm down about it because sometimes I'm like I gotta get this song done and sometimes it is like that because if a person the fastest I've written a song was four days I interviewed the person and four days later I gave it to them and he was able to hear it actually as he was on his deathbed they played it wow. as he made his transition and I was like Ooh. Ooh, that big willies. is so special for me to have yeah. been there in that way yeah so I think there's there's a lot of just like making sure that I'm approaching this in a way that is allowing my creativity to still flourish and I I do get to be so creative but do you know what I mean am I making sense I do I do it's from just a creative perspective it's always new information coming in there every person is a unique individual so even if you did five people and they all had the same profession or the same family of origin lineage or they had this that that uniqueness of the person and making it about them. I truly think you're working as a channel, as a natural medium. You're connecting with that person's energy and bringing through the 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 true essence of who they are. And I am being honest. I'm tempted to get on the. There's a for people that are in different parts of the country for, between Maine and Nova Scotia. There's the cat, and it's a big ferry that you can get on, and it can zip you right up there. And I'm very tempted to go up and see Sarah's upcoming show. So could you tell us a little bit about your show coming up? Sure thing. Well, first of all, if you do decide to come, tell me and I will put a ticket aside for you. Thank you. I will. You get in for free, Denise. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, so we're doing a this project, the Atlantic chapter I've been working on since last February, again, with many different people involved. And that's also been really lovely is having pulling more people into this because for two years I did this work a lot by myself and sometimes it was very heavy and just it's a lot it's a lot to hear people's sadness sometimes because like if you if you feel it then you're like oh my god I can't imagine you went through that or so it's been nice to bring people in and and have the people I've been working with be really impacted by this work too in Mm -hmm. in good ways so yeah we're touring the show all across uh the Atlantic Canadian provinces because that's where each the eight participants came from one of those four provinces. Uh, and we decided that we wanted to essentially return the stories to the communities that they came from. Oh, like, beautiful. and which is interesting because some of the people like aren't originally from the Atlantic provinces, but they were out here and they're out here during the time of, of this project going on. So that's kind of like the intention of wanting to, to bring it, around and I also think that after our reading together you had mentioned something about are you going on tour and I was like I've been thinking about going on tour (laughs) (laughs) um and the five shows that are happening we have one on June 3rd in Wolfville Nova Scotia uh we have one on June 7th in Halifax Nova Scotia June 14th in Moncton New Brunswick June 25th in St. John's Newfoundland and June 30th in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. And wow. that, so June is going to be a magic month of music making. <laughs> it is. And can people buy the album? Can they have, do you sell the album as well? Yeah. So the album will be um, available for sale in physical copies, mostly at the live shows. But, you know, I'm also, I can also do mail outs to people if people want to purchase them and want to have a physical copy. The CD is sometimes a dying method for music listening, but I still love a good CD. So I, got, I printed them because I could. 
but I will have this music out also on June 3rd on my Bandcamp page, which is uh, Sarah McInnes Band, if you search my name on Bandcamp. And then eventually I will have it out on streaming platforms for people to access, like on Spotify and YouTube and all that stuff. Beautiful. So if yeah. people want to contact you or find more information about your work, where would where would be the best pay- place for them to find you? They can find me on my website, which is www.sarahmckinnis.com. And then also, if they gave me a follow on Instagram or Facebook, that's always helpful. So my handle is uh, The Legacy Song Project. So at The Legacy Song Project. And I'll have links on the show notes for all of the places that you can find Sarah, where these shows are being played. And thank you so very much from my heart to yours for doing this, because I think your story is amazing. Your work is as a healer. You're a healer, whether you like it or not. You can call yourself (laughs) a musician. You can call yourself all these other things, but you're helping people heal on both sides of the veil. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing to do. And if you do have the opportunity and you're in the Atlantic provinces where Sarah is going to be, please go and check her out. I've listened to her music. She's a very, very talented, gifted musician, as well as being a kind and beautiful soul. So please remember that you two have something you can share. And uh, thank you very much. And thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Denise. All right. Take care. Bye.